podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be. Welcome back to Four Men and a Mic, episode two. I hope you are all very well. I hope you are having a nice day, wherever you are listening to this. Hello to you all in the chat box. Hello to you all if you're watching this on replay. And of course, hello to you all if you're watching, if watching, listening to this um, on audio. Joining me this afternoon, um, I have with me Chris. How are you, sir? I'm all right. I've gone, I've dressed up for you and I've decided to be a shite 80s Bond villain. I like it. I like it. Albert, of course, I'm going to ask you how you are while you put your drink up to your mouth. How are you, sir? Keeping well, mate. Keeping well. Just about. But um, yeah, pleasure to be on, mate. As, as as always, Craig, as always. Thank you. For, thank you very much, mate, for coming on. I much appreciate it. My favourite man in the whole Arsenal Twitter social media thing. Danny, how are you, sir? Um, I'm, I've been awake for half an hour and I'm, I'm a little bit windy and Feinberg... I'm going to have you, Feinberg. Yeah, he stole me hamster. He said, can I pet it? He took it and ate it. Bad um, man. How, how are you, Craig? You're looking well. Thank you very much, mate. Um, wish, I wish I felt well. No. The old old bags. I've just noticed them, actually. The old bag's under my eyes. Goodness me. I'll have to get the old uh, oil of you layout. <laughs> Tonight, is gentlemen. Same, is this, uh, is it, is this uh, for old men uh, and a mic? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you might want to drop out there, Chris. Yeah, Chris, mate. Come on, mate. Come. Yeah, you might want to drop out. <laughs> I've, I'm kind of looking to next season already. I think that the league season is kind of over for us already. Obviously, yeah. I want us to finish as high as we can, win as many games as we can. But I find myself every night looking to next season all the time. Chris, I'll start with you. There's going to be a lot of. Well, I ex- I don't know if I'm right, but I'm hoping to expect a lot of a- activity when the season's over. We hear that Mikhail Arteta is looking at six players already. Whether that's true or not, um, we'll find out. I've come to this little conclusion that I think we're seeing so much rotation because he wants to see everyone and he wants to make his mind up about what he's going to do next year. Would you go along with that? Or am I just being... Silly. No, I think you're bang on there. And actually, <clears throat> so over the years uh, of us, all of us bit Arsenal fans kind of seeing, you know, the life and times of Arsene Wenger unfold. And then you've got the Unai Emery and the churn that we've had of players, particularly in the last five years. Like, under the peak Wenger years, you got used to seeing one or two players come in, one or two players go out. But we've had massive churn in the last few years. And I think this season is going to be exactly the same. This summer is going to be exactly the same. But I feel like it's been coming to this crescendo up until for for a few years now, because we always knew that we had certain players like he who shall not be named is now in Turkey, um, you know, whose contracts expired. And there's been a few of those that were due to be shipped out. And I feel like this summer, it was that was always in the plan. They're fast tracked some of it because I think Arteta's realised he's got to 
exit a lot more players than um, than he thought he might have to. And so I think you're right. I think he's taking a good look at a few of them because I think a number of them can go. Um, I've, I've actually written down some random numbers. We can come to it. Actually, I'll let you talk to the other guys first. But if we get down to it, I've been, I've been getting the calculator out because I think there's going to be quite a lot of churn to bring money in just for mm. a few players to come in. Yeah, Albert, I mean, Chris knocks it on the head there. There's going to be, using the word churn, a lot of churn. But we do have to be careful, Albert, on the fact of um, homegrown players. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of young players in there that, unfortunately, I would show the door. Um, they've got, they're going to have to be replaced as well, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, you know what, the way it sort of turned out in terms of the players we managed to, move on in January. Um, and the time, I said, we've still got a lot of work to do. Um, Craig, you make a good point because even with some of the youngsters, touch, touching on them quickly, I just don't think some of them are going to make the grade, unfortunately. Willock, possibly um, Nelson and Inketio are the three that come to my mind anyway. Um, and I think it's not wrong for people to, to, as an Arsenal fan, if you, if you, you know, like I say, your, your own set of eyes don't lie to you and, Yes, ultimately you want to give these young boys a chance, but if they're not good enough, mate, then then they're not good enough. They're not going to cut it at Arsenal. It's not it's not wrong for an Arsenal fan to say, you know what, I don't think this guy's going to make it. They may go on to they may go on to be very good footballers, just not at Arsenal. Um, but in terms of the guys, in terms of like you know you mentioned the six potential signings coming in in um, in at Arsenal, um, that kind of touches on a little bit in terms of with what's going to happen with FFP, isn't it? So um, we might touch on that a bit later, so I don't say too mm. much. Um, but that's going to be that that's going to be a that's going to be a massive, massive. Um, I would say opportunity to see what the hierarchy are going to do because um, you know there's always seems to be a, a reason as to why Arsenal can't do certain business or to bring players in if this if these sanctions go through with FFP, you know, they can't hide behind that forever, mate, because that's going to yeah, be... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, it'd be interesting to see, like Chris mentioned, there's a lot... There's so many players, even I've noticed, noted down that have still, have still got to be moved on because quite clearly in regards to, in particular, Guendouzi and Torreira, I don't think either of them have got a future at Arsenal. Not while Arteta's there. Definitely not while Arteta's there. So... Craig, if I've said to you before, mate, we, Arsenal need to get back to being a club that was ruthless and very cutthroat. Um, and we haven't been that for years. So if it means we move these players on, so be it. I don't have any sort of sentiment towards a, a crop of players that are at this club, to be honest with you, mate, because I think there is better out there. But us as a fan base have got to kind of wake up and say, you know what? These guys are okay players or they're good players, but they're just not good enough for Arsenal. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, there's plenty of players in there, Dan, isn't there, that I think might be shown the door. He, uh, Albert brings up a good point there. Something we were talking about actually last night um, with Jess on She Knows Arsenal. We were on her mm-hmm. podcast last night. So go over and have a look at that as well. Um, Jess, a uh, very, very good uh, Arsenal podcaster. So Dan, Albert mentioned the names Willock, Nelson and Ketia. Is there any of them three that you keep or do you think that they're all out the door? 
Um, we look, he's shown at Newcastle that he's had one good game. His first game there, played on the right wing, got an eight rating, got a goal, looked magnificent. They probably thought he's going to play, the bloke's going to save us from relegation. Mm. Every game after that, he has been sucked down into the, the doom and gloom that is Newcastle United. And it's sad to see because I do like Newcastle. But he has been the average, the entire team has been average and he, he's not been able to bring them back up. Playing in central midfield, he's been playing in a two, in a three, not being able to do anything there. So, We've seen that although last season he did play more games um, than any other outfield player, a lot of those were substitute games. He was covered in all competitions. At no time did I ever think, oh, hello, like you do with Smith Rowe or Saka. You think, oh, God, he's going to be good. You look at it and go, maybe next game. Maybe, oh, he's done so. Oh, no, maybe next game. And that's worrying because I, I, we do need to have the um, the, the, the quota of, of English players. And that's going to help. Um, going to be bad if we don't have them because some of them are definitely going to go. And I think he's one of the ones that other teams are going to look at and go, well, he can do a job. But there is a fine line between a young player coming through and then waiting for that young player to get better and be able to go, yeah, I think he's uh, good enough to get into the first team or get onto the bench. And it doesn't doesn't do anything, which is which is really sad because there's a whole load of them. And his two brothers are both, um, I don't know if it's wrong to say, failed at Arsenal. But he was the last one of the three brothers at Arsenal and the other two have gone off and they've done nothing with their careers and mm. and, and and kicking their heels at other clubs. And yeah, one went to Benfica, one went to Man United. And uh, I just hope the same thing doesn't happen to him where he ends up playing for a championship side. But yeah, it looks like it may well... It, hopefully he'll get a Premier League side, 10, 15 million yeah. quid. What was the other player? We've got... Uh, so you were talking about Willock there. What about Nketiah? Um, oh, no. I watched um, him today playing for England. Mm-hmm. Under twenty ones because I do like to watch the under twenty ones. Uh, they were very poor. Lost one nil to Switzerland this afternoon um, in their Europe- opening European game. Smith Rowe had a very yeah. poor game. I'm going to have to say. Um, and then, and then Katia as a captain didn't do anything to inspire me to watch, or I don't think he'd done anything to inspire his teammates either. But Enketia, I think, is another one um, that will have to go. He's not yeah. for me. For me, in my opinion, he's not Premier League quality. He he he'll be good in the Championship. He'll be good down playing for a team like Stoke. Yeah, <laughs> well. we, we, or we wouldn't do that to him. Well, Stoke will um, need a striker when when um, um, Kevin Campbell's son leaves. That's there it. When he signs, he's magnificent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a great but player, Tyrese. Great his son's a Man-, Man City fan, though, which, which is sad. But at least um, we moan that Arteta doesn't know what he's doing at times. Arteta brought Enketia in, played in loads of games throughout the season. He scored a few goals. He had more than enough chances. Now he's gone, no, no, you're not playing anymore. Maybe he's not even on the bench. And I think he's, he's gone, right, you've had your chances. The only thing that is just sad about that is that I wished that Balogun would have come in. But that's the whole that's a whole conversation on its own about what's going on with there. But Eddie, you've had your chances. There's a, there's a massive history of people going on and doing stuff for the under 21s. I think the bloke who had the most number of caps was a bloke called Nick Pickering back in the 80s, and I think he had like 40 caps for the under 21s, and he, he never went on to do anything. There's so many players that have had really promising uh, under 18, under 19, under 21 yeah, international careers where they played loads of games, scored loads of goals because Eddie just broke the record. Um, Last year, uh, a while ago, beat, um, was it Gary Lineker's record? Or there was... Shearer. No, Shearer. Oh, Shearer. Yeah. 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 I know it was one of them twats for match of the day. Yeah, broke Shearer's <laughs> record. And he, he's just not showing it. But I reckon if you give him enough time, he, he could do a job at 
definitely a, a lower half of the Premier, uh, Premier League. I'd like to see him do that. I know the West Ham were looking at him. I think Sheffield United were looking at him. Maybe a Norwich coming up. They, they could have him, but his future Arsenal, no, he's... He doesn't take the chances. There again, does anyone yeah. up front take the chances for us? But another one, it's sad. He's been at the club so long. And he's uh, he was he was at Chelsea, wasn't he? And then uh, Chelsea released him and he was sad. And then he got a chance at Arsenal and he was really happy because he's an Arsenal fan. But Yes, he's yeah. you know unfortunate. But Chris, come in, yeah? There. Yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting one because... If you think about Franny Jeffers, Dan, as well, he was a bit like that, wasn't mm. he? When he came to us, yeah. like he was a, he was tearing it up as a as a young kid. He was doing. I seem to recall he did quite well in the under twenty ones, and it just never really kicked on for it. But I think as Arsenal fans, we probably all need to appreciate that it's okay to say no sometimes. It's yeah. okay to say these players aren't making it. Um, and just move them on. And I think we all just get too worried. We're all worried. It's probably, it's probably if you call it Mo Salah or uh, De Bruyne syndrome. You know, every, Chelsea fans were quite happy to see the back of them. And they were like, yeah, whatever, didn't really do anything. They disappear off to a foreign country and then come back and absolutely tear it up in the Premier League. I think probably it's, it's probably not just for us. It's probably all fans these days look at that situation and think, oh, can you imagine if Nketiah goes away, or Balogun goes away abroad, absolutely tears it up and then turns up at a Man City and becomes one of the best strikers, you know, that we've ever seen at an Aguero type. So I don't know, that's that's that, that's the worry. But I, I'm with you guys. I have for a while thought Nketiah probably his time is done and we just need to cash in. And then, mm. um, Dan, actually, you just said a, that's a really good point there. Um, if you just want to uh, elaborate on that for Jeffers. Yeah, he got 13 goals in 16 games for the under-21s. And I forgot, he scored on his England debut and never played again. Wow. Mm. Mm. I I remember when Francis Jeffers signed for Arsenal. Oh, it's eight and a half million. Yeah. Fox in the box. The fox in the box, yeah. But he he was one of those players that just didn't, you know, just didn't go on to become anything, did he? I mean, I think it's the same when we signed Richard Wright. Yeah, mm. when he was playing at Ipswich, I was lucky enough to, have, you know, I was lucky enough to have, have trained with him and played in the same team as him. But when, when he signed, when they signed him from Ipswich, I was like, oh yes, because I, you know, I knew how good he was. I used to go and watch Ipswich all the time, and I knew how good he was. Mm. But he, I think that shocker that he had was it Real Sociedad away in a Champions League. I think it was Sociedad. He had a shocker in goal. We lost the game two one, and the two goals that he let in were absolute. P rollers, um, and never ever ever recovered from that. So, yeah, we've had. Even though we've had our good youngsters, we've had we've had our fair share of um, flops, if you want, I suppose. Floppy, floppy youngsters. Yeah, especially um, under Bengo, we had four, four generations yeah. of youth products, and how many of those worked out? And now yeah. our test, um, um, uh, Edu has gone. Get rid of all the scouting. All gone. It's all digital now. Not interested. Mm. That's which it. Is a, which is a bit weird because I don't I personally. I don't like all the XG and all all the stats, DNA, and all that lot. I don't mm. think anything beats going and watching a player. Absolutely. But, I mean, that's that's DNA. Costas Virgil mm. Van Dijk. Costas Kante. You know, we could have signed Kante for twenty million. We didn't. We signed Granite Xhaka for thirty-five. <laughs> we could have signed. We could have signed Van Dijk from Celtic for twelve point two, twelve point five million. Yeah. We didn't. We bought Got Mustafi, Mustafi. For, 30, for thirty-five million. <laughs> so you know. Albert, there is a myth there to say, you know, people say, people say, oh, we don't spend the money, we don't spend the money. We do spend the money, but just poorly. I mean, those two signings that I've just called out, 
I mean, imagine if we had gone on to sign them players. Kante had just won the league, do you know, with, with Leicester City. Yeah. And, and and Virgil van Dijk for, for 12.5 million from Celtic. Yeah, and and that's the thing, Greg. You see with the Van Dyke thing, quickly, like, the, the, like he wasn't a secret. Like, if you watch football outside of watching Arsenal, which I don't think a lot of people do because, you know, he's, he's sort of in that goldfish bubble of Arsenal. But, he, if he, yeah, Van Dyke wasn't a secret. You know, many people said for years, this guy will come down to the Premier League if somebody takes a chance on him and he'll do well. And he's and he's shown that. Um, so, and who's the other player you mentioned, Craig? Sorry. Kante from Leicester. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, the guy went to a club that at the time Chelsea weren't even in Champions League football, was they, when he went mm. there? Um, so it wasn't a case of, you know, we couldn't give him Champions League football because he went to a club that wasn't even in it at the time. So it, the, the thing with Arsenal, which is which has sort of baffled me, um, you're right, we do, we do spend the money, but we spend it poorly. But then even with some of the players, if you look at, over like years gone by, we don't do very well in bringing money in, mate. I mean, if we take away the <laughs> yeah. likes of, unless you look at exceptions of Iwobi and Oxley Chamberlain, we, we don't really get our money's worth for, for any players we sell. Maybe that's because nobody wants them, which has been the which has been the problem mm. for the last few years. Um, you know, when you get when you're getting to a situation, Craig, where a football club's almost kind of paying off players to leave. That's never a good situation. Those um, players cost us a hundred million. Those three that we that we got to leave. That's what I'm saying, mate. Like it's crazy, and um, it's like I mentioned last time when I was on, here, on when I was on here, Craig. That if you look at our, I mean, you know, I'm not afraid to admit I'm I turned forty this year, so I've seen a, a lot of football, and I've never seen a big football club where they've got a manager who's a rookie, a technical director. And the CEO. I've I've never seen that in my lifetime. Mm. So, of course, we wasn't going to go and win the league or get top four straight away. So, what what concerns me a little bit, and it's I think is a valid concern. Obviously, with three prominent positions at the club, with no, um, you know, no experience. Yes, we got in Gabriel and we got in Thomas Party. I, I, I grant that, but it's it Craig. For me, there's no point bringing in these type of players if you don't bring the right recruitment around them absolutely team to flourish because it makes no sense and you know to flip side of that is you know under this regime we brought in William you know I was 50-50 when we brought him in but you know it's not turned out to be a very good sign and again a player on a big big contract so if you're expecting Mr Richard Garlic to come in and work miracles ASAP he's not regardless of how good his CV is Um, Mm. so he's got a massive job and that shouldn't be underestimated so um, as I said, many bumps in the road, um, but yeah, I just, I, I just hope we get to a point where, when we have these conversations, you know, ten years down the line, Craig, or five years down the line, that we won't have to talk about player contracts and the club being in a mess from what it was before. Um, it's going to take time. It's going to take a mm. lot of time, but we, you know, the sooner we have, we don't have them conversations anymore, then the better we can move forward, particularly as a fan base. Absolutely, mate. Chris, can you talk to me a bit about this? New financial fair play thing um, that's coming out. Yeah, I, I hear that uh, the, the the current ones are being scrapped, um, and there's new ones uh, coming in. That's surely good news <laughs> um, for. You came to absolutely the wrong person. Yeah, I've got no idea. Oh, haven't you? No, I, I really <laughs> haven't either. I've literally I, I, just I, heard about it for yeah. the first time. I re- I read it. 
Um, I can't make no heads nor tail of it. Now, apparently, um, the current financial fair play rules are being scrapped. Um, and they're looking to bring in um, another way of, of, of implementing okay. it. So with COVID and everything happening, we obviously, and we're on, I'm going back to what I read on Swiss Rambles Twitter, um, with COVID happening and everything, Arsenal are not a self-sustaining club anymore. We can't be because we've lost, you know, we've lost so much revenue from uh, match day. So that would peak up or perk up an Arsenal fan's ear. Oh, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to have financial fair play anymore. That means Cronky's going to spend um, a load of money. Doesn't quite work like that, unfortunately. We've got to, first of all, we've got to get him to um, put his hand in his pocket. Do you think? With the new rules coming in, there will be any chance at all that uh, Stan Kroenke will get his wallet out and give Arteta a few quid? Dan? <laughs> I thought you were still talking to Chris. I was, no, no, I was talking to Chris, but then he disappeared. I don't think he heard what I said. Did you hear what I said? No, sorry. My Wi-Fi just cut out for that, that specific moment. So I've been listening intently to you lovely gents. And then the moment you say, Chris, let's have a chat about it. It's one, a question I can't answer because I don't know. And then my Wi-Fi bloody dies. All I need now is a little ginger cat to come along and put his face on the screen and say to me, mate, you are not doing a podcast today. So I do apologize. No, I think I'll let Danny take this one. I was yeah, looking yeah. at transfers. I, I do know a little bit about what they plan to do. I think the gist of it is that they can't afford Man City to take them to court because Man City will bankrupt them and Man City will end up owning. You know, like when you take someone to court and you can take their possessions, Man City will end up owning UEFA and FIFA. And then they'll they'll just, uh, it'll be called the Man City League and they'll just be giving it for the rest of time. But I think one of the plans is to possibly have a salary cap. Now, I'm old enough to remember that back in the day that uh, when uh, the, the, the FA tried the salary cap thing, there was loads of shenanigans going on. You'd get a car, you'd get a house, you'd get a boat, you'd get all that stuff. And then Jimmy Hill came in and uh, used the PFA to stop the salary cap and uh, then players could get paid. Well, look where that went off in players getting paid way too much money. So I, th- I was talking last night and saying that, the only way a salary cap would work, we have it in MLS, but MLS you have um, designated players and you have the Beckham rule and all that lot. So you have players on 30, 40 grand a year, then you have other players on seven, uh, two, three hundred thousand pounds a week. Now that that isn't going to work. And I thought the only way you can do it is to do it in, in steps and go, right, um, this season, the uh, next season, the most any player can get paid is 400,000. Now there's only two or three players in the world that get paid that season after. 300,000 season after 200,000 work that down to the maximum of 100,000 a week and then there'd be go they'd be crying in their in their bloody champagne over that and that's that that's one angle you can come at it from and then someone said last night well you can't do that because you'll have um, contracts that have gone past that but if you bring that in over the next three or four years then you can plan towards that but then mm. then I was thinking why why would how would that help us as the fact I don't have I don't pay for BT Sport and I don't even watch Sky anymore I the football gets not a single penny out of me and hasn't done for about the last four years since I told Sky to stick their prices up their ass and I was thinking well all that means is then if if they did have a salary cap and say it was 100 grand a week all that extra money that the, the clubs are saving 
they, they aren't going to go to the Premier League go, oh, by the way, we don't want £10 billion for the next five years. We want £5 billion. And pass that on to the listeners, at home, the viewers at home. And then it's £10 a month for your Sky Sports. No, the clubs will still get all the money. The Premier League will still make an absolute fortune. And it just means the owners of the clubs like Fat Stan are just going to get even richer. So mm. what, one way or the other, the fans are the ones that are going to get screwed over because we pay too much to see it, we pay too much to go, and we're the only thing I know where we are are the customer and we are the um, the, the targeted audience. So we we, mm. we pay and we have to have the adverts. So yeah. you look at the full circle. We're at the start of the circle because we pay for it all, and we're at the end of the circle because we're the ones who have to watch the advertising. We're completely screwed over, and that's nothing is ever going to change because there aren't the, the people that are going to try and make those changes. They wouldn't listen to any of us, and so uh, and nothing, nothing will change. And you wouldn't be able to. We are also brand loyal, so it's not yeah. like we can change our make our choices. Like we are passionate in love with our club, we are not changing it. So effectively, Arsenal and the football powers that be have a monopoly over us as individuals and as a collective. Yeah, they know that. I mean, which is why they bring out three kits a season. And I was just about to say that. We've had three kits and now this, what is it, this 424 <laughs> stuff. I mean, oh. dearie me. And then to see it all sold out as well, you're kind of banging your head off the wall, you know? Yeah. But I've always been... I've always said that I don't think I don't think people not buying a shirt will affect uh, the club yeah. in any way, shape, or form. To be honest, I mean, I remember when there was a thing out. You know, we spend, or you spend, and we'll spend. But I mean, it's just, it, for me, it was just Arsenal not selling any. Arsenal got their money from Adidas, so yeah, whether you buy it or not is irrelevant because they've got the money. So, you know, we, we've just signed a contract with Adidas so they can make more money off of us. They've already paid Arsenal. Anything they make off of us, they're, they're making extra money anyway. Which is why um, we should take, we should, uh, when that contract is up, Arsenal should go, we're making all of our kits ourselves. Do a little bit of um, decent PR and go, all the kits are going to be made in the UK at UK mm. companies. They're going to be, um, we're, the third kit is going to be designed by a fan. We're going to yeah. have votes on how the kits are. We're going to bring a, a new kit every other season. And then so one kit will last you three years, three seasons, and and do stuff like that, and then make all the money yourselves. That's the kind of things that I would do if I owned the club, if they want to give it to me. Well, so first of all, I'd knock, yeah. I'd knock the stadium down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah unfortunately, Arsenal and, and decent PR does, does not go hand in hand, man. Um, yeah. The worst for it, to be honest, sometimes. The only, the only challenge with that, though, is that money that Adidas or any kind of kit manufacturer put down at Arsenal is so astronomical that even if you've got a bean counter at Arsenal trying to work out how many kits do we have to sell globally if we own the rights and everything to it. I mean, I don't know. I can't even profess to be a specialist in this on the side, but I would imagine the amount of money that they, that Adidas push across and um, Arsenal. And you think about the logistics around everything. You've got to get a team in to design it. You've got to get, people in to do the market research for it you've got to get logistics in you've got to get it's 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 probably from an arsenal perspective they're probably i'm just trying to play devil's advocate here Mm. they're probably saying do you know what if adidas want to give us a shed load of money and send us uh and 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 do all of the development for us and do everything for us with our input then we'll just take that it's just classic outsourcing so i just i don't see that as a 
as a viable option. And do you know what triggered just what you were just saying there, Danny, just triggered in my mind. Um, I used to dream when I was a when I was a kid, I used to dream, oh, imagine one day if I won the lottery and then like I could have some sort of stake in Arsenal. Mm. The the numbers are now so astronomical. It's not just imagining like I I thought I thought this to myself the other day. I, it's not just I imagine if I won the lottery. Has anyone seen Back to the Future two? Right? And in Back to the Future two, the that's what you'd yeah. have to do. You'd have to basically say, I've got £10, I put it on that horse, I've won 200 quid. Right, I want that 200 quid on that horse, I've won a grand. You right, need 2 billion. You'd have to, it's a lot yeah, of horses. Exactly. <laughs> you'd, have to do, you'd, have to do, you'd have to do it sort of for years and years and years to get yourself enough billions so that then you could go along to Stan and say, here you go, mate, now F off. And I'm going to run this club as a fan and I'm going to bring the fans in and, you know, we'll have a bit more accountability and a bit more love for the club than we're getting at the moment. That's that's where we're at now. I'm hypothesizing in my head. that I basically need to create an almanac from Back to the Future 2. <laughs> With all the football scores in it. That would be great, wouldn't it? That would yeah, be five years we, time playing in, in the conference and you'd end up back and chucking yourself in the river. In the <laughs> <ocean>. True. <laughs> We've got the books, we've got the history, we just need to make a time machine now and we'll be sorted. Yeah. Yeah. Albert, um, let's go through the team, mate. Ins, out, shake it all about. We've got Bernd Leno, we've got Matt Ryan yeah, um, and Runnison. I think Runnison will be, see you later, unfortunately. He was brought in for a stopgap and unfortunately didn't stop any gaps. Um, And... I think his his Arsenal career will be over um, at the end of the at the end of this season. Now, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United. Of Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, Man City. I believe bolster their homegrown bolster their homegrown um, numbers with a third choice goalkeeper. They always bring one in from the youth team. If you look at them, mm. um, so that's why that's one position where we could claw back a, a homegrown um, right back. Surely, Albert, right back is is a massive position for us to fill um, this season because I don't feel confident with Hector Bellerin, who I think will go. Um, and I don't feel Cedric, although he's a good player and he's done well for us, I don't think he's going to be the player you know, to, to push us up into the top four. I could be wrong. I hope he makes me a comp- If he stays, I hope he makes me a humble pie. But right full back... Um, left full back. We need we need a backup left full back for yeah. Kieran Tierney. Uh, do we need another? Do we need another centre half? Let's talk about the defence quickly. Uh, what do you reckon, mate? <laughs> well, do you know what? We've got so many centre backs. You could start. You could start two. We could start two squads. To be honest with you, but um, you, you see with the right back situation, this is what I sort of don't get. I know I'm not speaking for um, every Arsenal fan, but it's almost now at, at this stage, Craig and boys, that. Arsenal fans have suddenly realised now this season that we possibly need to do right back, and I'm thinking, well, what was you seeing before then? Because I, I find that's that's strange to me. Because, like I said, with Hector Bellerin, I've always, for me, it's with any player, Craig. To be fair, it's always based on footballing opinion, mate. I, I don't get caught up in the to and froing on social media of getting mm. personal by players because you know that's not my that's not my makeup, but. I judge him on what I've seen. And I'm, with the right-back situation with Bellerin, like I said, and this is going back way before his ACL. And I think people sort of need to keep forgetting that. I, whenever I talk about him, I say, yeah, I understand he's had a serious injury. I, I get that. But my critique of him has always been bef- 
has been his Arsenal career in entirety. Yes, he broke into the, the, the team many years ago and started off pretty well. But for me, both facets of the game, I don't think he's good enough going forward and defensively. So you do need a better right back. Um, is there options out there? 100%. Are Arsenal willing or are they prepared if they've been doing their due diligence to bring someone in? I.e., you know, for the last, Craig, the last, I don't know, eight, month, eight to 11 months, people have been saying Max Aaron's and it's sort of gone to um, Tariq Lamptey. To me, either or. I'll I take either. I'll drive to Norwich or where, um, or to Brighton and bring one of them here because that, to me, it's a no-brainer. Um mm. As for the left-back cover, mate, um, that's definitely essential. I love Kieran Tierney, but um, the guy who I would look at um, is the guy at Crystal Palace. Now, whether we can get him as Tyreek Mitchell, um, 21 English young, I believe he's within. He's in the last year of his contract. So I know for a fact quite a few Premier League clubs are probably looking at him. Um, and he's been pretty decent for Palace, the, the games that I see him play. And when he has played, he's actually played the full 90 minutes. You know, he's not been bought on as a sub, he started, and so that's someone who that's someone who we should definitely look at if they don't feel that there's somebody in the under twenty three is good enough to come through. So for me, yeah, we need cover at left back, right back again. Like I said, for me, it's a no brainer. We we need to look at that stage. I just think the Bellerin and Arsenal journey to me had come to an end quite a while ago, but I think it's got to the point now where he 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 does need to be moved on, or he'll want to leave Arsenal. I don't know how he feels about Arsenal his time here, but. Um, as for a centre back, mate, if I, I, I'd be surprised if we're looking at another one. I mean, well, I don't think we need another one. I think yeah, for don't. me, for me, for me, next year it's Gabriel Saliba. Bring from what I've been watching and the highlights I've been watching of him, he's ready now. I don't. I actually think Mikhail Arteta done a really good thing sending him out again for another year. I really do. Um, a lot of people call me mad. Oh, he don't think he's good enough. He doesn't feel. I trust Mikhail Arteta more than I trust someone who's telling me, oh, you're mad. You, you know, I, I trust him. This Martinelli thing as well is doing my head in everyone. Oh, why aren't you playing Martinelli? Why aren't you playing Martinelli? Have you all been watching the training videos of Martinelli? Mikhail Arteta is turning this kid into the next big thing, if you ask me. Well, I've, I've been yeah. watching his training videos. Some of the goals he's been scoring, some of the some of the people he's turning on the six months. Next year, for me, Gabriel, Gabriel Martinelli will feature in this side heavily, 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 yeah. heavily. And I, and I think the same with Saliba as well. I've gone off the position a little bit now. But I think yeah. bringing in Saliba alongside Gabriel um, will be what he's looking at. Yeah. But I also think, Chris, I'm going to come on to, I'll come on to you with, it, with this a bit. People are saying that we should be getting rid of David Luiz. Um, I actually disagree. And I disagree on the reasons because when you've got young players coming forward and telling you that David Luiz has been a massive influence on them and he's the kind of father figure around the club. I get that people don't want him to be playing in the team. I get that. I don't want him to be playing centre-half for Arsenal anymore either. But I think it's quite important that we keep people like that in the dressing room and around the club for those youngsters. Because when you've got youngsters actually saying that, oh, David Luiz... You know, I look up to him and he helps us and this, that and the other. They're the kind of people you're going to want around the club when, when there's a lot of young people around. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying there. And personality-wise, 
I think I agree with you. Yeah. But we had this with uh, Podolsky. Everyone said, oh, Podolsky is absolutely brilliant in the dressing room. They all love him, blah, 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 blah. He's a bit of a jester. Ultimately, technically, he wasn't good enough for us. And that's why he got moved on. And that's why he wasn't playing. You know, he got a, a sweet hammer of a left foot. That was pretty much it with Podolsky. Where I stand on Louise, I think, I don't think it can happen next season. I don't think it should happen. And let me, I'll share my workings just a second. Um, number one, I don't see him taking a role as he winds down his career as a, you can basically do the murder sacker and mm-hmm. barely ever play, but look after the, you know, look after the kids. I just think ego and personality will mean he won't mean it. He won't want it. So then I think about, well, what are our options? So really, if we're going to play four at the back, he wants two left-sided defenders which looks like it's Pablo Murray or it's Gabriel and then Pabriel, Pablo Murray who's part Murray who sits behind him and then the two right sides well obviously he's just given holding a new contract so that's him but I think most of us agree he's the backup hmm. and then you've got we're all hoping I am 100% with you on this boat mate uh, William Saliba is the one that is the the first choice so you've got your four there and then maybe in case there's some kind of crisis you need a fifth I don't see Louise being that fifth man I just don't think he'd want it if he did want it and he wanted to drop his wages drastically so he's not one of the big earners I think he would I think that could be a goer but I just don't think it happened and then you've got the Chambers question as well because for me I wonder what happens with with this guy Callum Chambers because I've always rated him I think he's a decent centre half but even like as we've been talking about there's too many of them at the moment so if we're going to give Louise another contract, then you've probably got to ship on Callum Chambers. And I've actually got, he's one of the guys that is my, my question mark, whether or not you do ship him on uh, and, and take some money for him. Because if we look at the numbers, if Arsenal have got no money this season, and if we want to buy the likes of Erdegaard or a new striker or a left back, a rotation left back, or even Matt Ryan. So if we're, because he's still got a year left in his deal at the end of the season. So Ryan is somebody we would have to buy. He's not going to be a freebie. Mm. So, so that's going to be a question mark as well. So I think we're only going to be, we're only going to be bringing in a few, a few players and we're going to be shipping out a load of players, which blows out a whole other proportion of questions around the homegrown rule, as you said. And something that I, I will stop talking in a minute. Okay, don't worry. Um, <laughs> something, that, uh, something that just triggered me as you were talking about Martel, Martinelli and how well he's doing. I just, I'd, I'd written down, striker you know 50 million pound striker coming in if we offload Lacazette because of the wages that he's on but actually I wonder if there could be some sort of cheeky masterstroke here and you offload Lacazette and say no no Gabriel Martinelli you are alongside or you're rotating with Aubameyang Hmm. I think I I I totally agree with you and I 100% think that's what's happening um you know Poor old Lee gets really frustrated that he doesn't get minutes, um, this, that, and the other. And I can't tell him any different. He, you know, he, and and Dan would say that he doesn't. Arteta doesn't rate him, and I, I, don't, I can't see how anyone involved in football can't rate him. Um, so I think there's something going down. I think I think Arteta really is looking towards next season already. I think he's all these all these eggs are in the Europa League basket, and, and that's what he's focusing on. And I think, like I said, I think he's doing a big change round during these league games to see who it is he wants to keep and, and, and who it is he's going to go. Dan, let's move to the midfield and have a player that um, divides opinion a lot is Granite Xhaka. Do you think that Granite Xhaka will, will survive or do, do you think Granite Xhaka will, will be gone um, 
during the close season? Oh, Arteta loves him, doesn't he? No matter what he does, he's he's one of the ones that can get away. He could, could go and uh, murder someone and he'd probably still play the next game. But you look at the stats. Uh, Arteta is a modern manager. He loves the stats. And you look at the stats with um, with Xhaka. Someone put up one of those things, one of those rectangles with the dots all over the place. And all I know was uh, De Bruyne was top right and Xhaka was just below him and everyone else was to the left. And I think that, that was a good thing. Uh, I think he likes him and... He is. He's one of those three players that you know has always got a ricket in him. Has always can mess up with um, with um, Louise, Jacka, and I can't remember who the other one is. Bellerin. Who? Bellerin. Bellerin. Possibly Bellerin. Yeah, there was another one, but her. maybe him. But it's. Uh, I, I do see him playing. I do like what he does, but. I think that a part of that is party can make anybody look magnificent. Party yeah. made El Nenny look fantastic, and I like. I love El Nenny, but. El Nenny is happy to stay at the club, come in and play when you need him. I don't think Xhaka, captain of his country, still only... Um, how old is Xhaka? Well, he's look here. 27, he's is he? 28. Yeah, 28. he's 20, 29 in September. Mm. Well, he's older than I thought he was. Uh, is he going to be happy? Because we are going to have to bring in other players. Sabios will be off. And uh, Odegaard's going to come in, and then it looks like Smith Rowe is quite happy and, and does the job playing out on the left. And then we've just got so many players in so many positions that can all play in that. so many. Like you were saying, we've, we need a new left back. We need, I don't think we need any full backs. I, I like, like when I play football manager, I like a left back who can play right back. There you go. You've got one person doing two jobs. And uh, that's why I really like Suarez. But we're sticking with the midfield, I think Jack is going to stay. The only time Jack is going to go is when he's definitely guaranteed not to be in the team. Because at the moment, you put down Arteta's best eleven central midfield is Party and Jacka. Wouldn't always be what we'd pick. Sometimes I like the idea of Ceballos playing next to Party because Ceballos can do all three roles there. He can do the get the ball from the defence. He can get, do the tackling in midfield, and he can do a bit of creating in in the the Aaron Ramsey thing. You know, Ramsey could do only the, the two parts. Um, the, the midfield bit and the attacking midfield bit. He couldn't really do the defending. Ceballos can do all three. And Xhaka, Xhaka can only do the first two unless he's having a shot from the halfway line, which he's been told not to do anymore. <laughs> so until we get a more complete midfielder in, that's, Xhaka will stay because he, he, he's, he just does what the manager wants. See, the thing, is with, the thing is with Xhaka is that people are saying, you know, Daniel says something here, you know, what about Xhaka's stats? He's made the most errors. But if you actually go on the internet and look at Xhaka's stats, he's up there with the top five yeah. <laughs> central, central midfielders in the world. Um, so, you know, wh- where do we go from there? If you're looking at, you know, people always want to dwell on the negative uh, the negative stats, and I get that. And he has made errors, and that is a fact. He has made the most errors. But the other fact of the matter is that he's up there um, with the best in the world. <laughs> so, I mean... Wait, mate. You know what it is... I don't know, the guys might agree or disagree. I think it depends how you look at it with Xhaka. When I say that, I mean, it was only this season when that, I can't remember what, what time of the, what game it was where the heat map stat, the heat map came out of Granite Xhaka's passes, passing range in the season. And the so, and you know, it was basically sideways and backwards. And it, had, it included Sebastian. Yeah. So it depends what stage of the season you want to praise him or you want to completely yeah. destroy him. And, it fits in with whatever narrative you have for Granite Jacket. Can I come in there? Sorry, I just want. To, do you think he'd get? Do you think he'd get half the abuse he does if he hadn't have walked off the? If he hadn't have done what against Crystal Palace that that afternoon at the Emirates? Do you think that is always stuck 
in the in the back of people's minds because every time I talk to someone about Granite Xhaka, it's oh, he, yeah, he threw off his shirt. Every time, that's the first thing people say when I say, "Oh, the Granite Xhaka, he's not too bad." Oh, but he threw off his shirt. No, no, you make a good. No, it's a good question because I think with I think in recent years with some of the Arsenal players we've had, there's always been a defining moment where we say, "You know what? We're we're done with them." Like I think for Özil, for a lot of Arsenal fans, was the Europa League final. Um, with Xhaka, it was that incident at Crystal Palace. Some people just they they won't forgive it. You've Craig, you've got two extremes. You've got fans that absolutely idolise the player to the point that they can't see him do no wrong, or you've got the ones that want to absolutely not criticise, hammer them consistently. So there's why no. Can't you, why, 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 why can't you be in the middle like me? It's done. Forget yeah. it. They won't, they, that's the thing, Craig. You see, with our fan base, you just have to look at social media in the last 10 years. <laughs> have you met some of our fans? There are souls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for me, like, I was annoyed when he'd done it. Yeah, Chris, yeah. I'll bring, uh, Chris, I'll bring you in. I was annoyed when Granite Jacker threw his shirt. Well, he didn't actually throw his shirt on the floor. Which, that's another thing that gets on my nerves because you can clearly see that he doesn't. He takes it off, but he doesn't throw it on the floor. That's another, that's another thing that grinds my gears. But Granite Jacker, um, why can't we we see it happen all over the it happens all over Europe we 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 watch European football shows and a player goes off in a tantrum or this that and the other it never seems to be a problem Chris until it happens at Arsenal yeah we do uh, we do carry drama quite well don't we um we would we do make a good soap opera do you know what a few things on the Xhaka thing so number one I'm actually a fan of Xhaka I know I made a joke about him in the in the chat about uh you know cockroaches and Xhaka being the only two that survived nuclear holocaust <laughs> The reality is, is that what Xhaka brings is a technical security on the ball, which Arteta loves. Now, that's in the right environment, though, because when you press Xhaka and press him in the right way, with i.e. with his back to goal or sideways, he is absolutely toast. And teams yeah. realise that. Yeah. And so what's happened now with Party coming in, and that's all Xhaka needs. Xhaka needs a strong, athletic player alongside him who can be that just give the ball to me. Just receive it to me. Um, you know, Vieira-esque. It's like, it doesn't matter where I am on the pitch. I can t- I can, I can, look after you here, mate. And that's enabled Xhaka to free up. But do you know what as well? I keep th- The reason why he won't go this summer is because, firstly, I think we've got so many other players that are on that list, hit list to go up first yeah. and foremost. But secondly, I think the positions that he takes up in the pitch, because the left-hand side of our of if you break the pitch into two, that left-hand side is essentially dominated by Xhaka because he's the one that decides when Tierney goes. Because the amount of times where you see the ball roll over to Xhaka and he's the one that's making that decision. When he sees Tierney moving, he'll play the ball to him or sometimes he'll come in field and go central. So he's the one that often builds that play on the left or he's dropping into that left, left-hand left side slot that we've already seen. Mm. So I think Arteta won't get rid of him because Arteta will think, well, I'm going to need to find a player that can do that position and slot in. Ideally, I think he does, you know, we move away from Xhaka over time and perhaps he finds somebody that can just slot into that position that can distribute the ball that side. I wonder if Arteta will even think, like he does with the centre-backs, I want a left-sided athletic midfielder. Imagine if he could find a left-footed version of party, Then that might be his kind of answer that he's looking for. But right now, until he finds that, He's just going to stick with Xhaka because mm. of that security that it offers him. 
That's my gut. Yeah, thing. yeah. I, you know, I, I can see why people. You know, I can see why people want him moved on. I can, I, I can see the other side of the argument why why people want him to stay. I just think a lot of people, or I should say, a lot of fans, just just like to hold on to, to, to a bit of negativity about. It. But look, okay, look what happened against Crystal Palace was wrong. He done wrong. Um, oh, but he never apologised. Well, like. I have to say this, if I was Granite Jacker and I'm walking off the pitch and 60,000 people are telling me to this and to this off and that off and booing me and this, that and the other, what have I got to apologise for? Can well, I just jump in just for a yeah, second on that absolutely. one? Absolutely. I, yeah. I was in the ground that day and yeah. it was more of a classic Emirates mumbling under your breath right. as the subs went on. And then he started, he, he, was, he was like essentially trudging off because we, yeah. we were thinking to ourselves, <laughs> We've got to win this. We've got to win this. He needs to be sprinting off. And that... Sorry, just, just, no. I, I, I'm just, I need to play devil's advocate on that as well. It happened in the 52nd minute. Like, there's plenty of time to win a game. <laughs> this, yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh, but, oh, sorry I'm, to interrupt. Sorry. No, no, fine. All I was saying was, basically, from what I saw from around me, I mean, at the time, I was just like, right, well, obviously, I, just was, I was with my wife, and I was just saying... Well, obviously, he's going for some sort of attacking player, whatever it is. And then there was just a few murmurings. And then as he started trudging off those murmurings, do you know what? It, this is a really silly thing. But if he'd have been on the right-hand side of the pitch and just trudged off for about 10 seconds, probably people wouldn't have gone as ballistic. But people, the longer he was just on the pitch yeah. and the longer he was walking, people just went mental around me. And I'm just thinking, bloody hell. And then... Yeah. When he then starts sort of shouting and bits like that, I just turned to my wife and I was like, that's his career over and done with. But like you, a week later or two weeks later or when he started to pick up his form, I'm like, look, all I ask for as an Arsenal fan is that these Arsenal players deliver. And if they're delivering, I don't care what they do, did that they did last season. If they have a blinder this season, then, you know, all bets are off. We, we start all over again. Absolutely. That's, that's the way I look at it. Um... Uh, Bakayoko Saka, keep. Uh, I'm still more irked about um, the way Ian Wright took the piss out of Lacazette in Match of the Day than I am about what. Yes, Jack exactly. Did. Yes, that's the that's the that's the kind of stuff I can get behind, Dan. Yeah, yeah. That's the stuff I can. That's, that's the kind of stuff I can get behind. Um, Bakayoko Saka, keep. Smith Rowe, keep. Thomas Party, keep. Let's move on. <laughs> um, Nicholas Pepe, I think, keep. Uh, the, the, the other big talking, you know, the other big talking point is, is of course, the forwards, Aubameyang, Lacazette. I've heard people tell me this week that they take forty million for Aubameyang. I've heard people tell me this week that that's crazy. I've heard people tell me that it's Lacazette that's got to go, and I've had people tell me it's Lacazette that's got to stay. Albert, where are we um, with the strikers? I have to say, I thought. Aubameyang was abysmal again at the weekend. Um, rubbish. I, 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 I'm kind of thinking to myself: Do we need to take the captaincy off him? Would that take a weight off his shoulders? Would, because when when Aubameyang was was at his best for us, he wasn't captain. He didn't have that extra weight on his shoulder. He just concentrated on scoring goals. Your job is to score goals, Pierre. I, I, don't, I don't want you doing anything else. Stay away. Stay away from me. Just stay up the pitch and score goals. He did. Sorry, I know you said Albert, but he did. He was captain when we won the FA Cup though last oh, season. Oh, okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm glad you came to me with this question because I've been on the I've been on I've been on the forwards case all of them this season, every single one of them. Um, so I think that quick, I think that might tie in a little bit with the whole Martinelli thing, a tiny bit where if if the forwards are doing their job and Martinelli wasn't getting the team, then you could sort of kind of look at and think, you know what, he's gonna have to buy these time. But where they consistently haven't been that great this season, that's probably why people are thinking, why can't he get 10, 15 minutes here and there? But generally speaking about the strikers, um if I was being if I was being ultra ruthless, mate. I would put the question out to say we could have sold, we should have sold Lacazette already. Um, if it's true that the rumours that Roma were interested and they're talking about what 30, 35 million, I would have bit your hand off and took the money personally. Um, I've said before, I've said it, Craig, I said it time and time again. If you're going to have both these guys at the club, right, Lacazette and Aubameyang, and Arteta is going to persist with the four-two-three-one formation. You cannot have both of these guys in the team. It has to be one or the other. It, it, it doesn't work with both of them in the team. I keep hearing about the, the chemistry. It's great having chemistry as mates and maybe off the pitch, but I don't see that with them two on the pitch. I've never seen it, really. I've probably seen it in very, very short spurts when, you know, the season we got to the Europa League final where they combined for a few games here and there. But I don't think it works with them two in the side. Whether you play them as a two or you play Aubameyang on the left, it just doesn't work. Um, in an ideal world, mate, I would love to get Edouard in from Celtic. I think it's a no-brainer, if I'm being honest with you. I just I mean, just what, before we came on, I was reading um, on, on 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 Twitter from one of the transfer fellas that is normally quite good, that we were actually looking at that fella Orsic, who scored a hat-trick against Spurs. Um, last week, I mean, just bring it, just pay the money and bring him in just to haunt them twice a season for the rest of you know, for, for, for why he's here. Just, it's a no brainer. Yeah. Um, don't know how true it is. Sorry to come across you, mate, but I don't know how true okay. it is. Um, but I mean, I, I on, on that performance against Spurs, you can't see no reason why why he shouldn't be brought in. Do you know what I mean? He's got, he's, got, he's got Arsenal written all over him, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I hear Eduardo, you. 2.0. Yeah, no, no, yeah. true. Yeah, I need, I, yeah, I need. I probably need to do a bit of homework on Orsic, but in regards to um, sort of the Edward links, because it, it's this is not gone away, Craig. This has been yes. spoken about for a while now. When you know it's different in Scotland because for them to get fifteen million, for example, for Edward is like paying sixteen million pounds to get a striker in the Premier League or bring someone in to the Premier League. So he's got a year left on the. I think he's in within the last year of his contract. I don't think he's going to sign personally for Celtic um, for a new contract. For me, that is more than doable. It's not even uh, if we've got the money. Arsenal, make it happen. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but I would have already moved Lacazette on. Um, like I said, none of the strikers this season, for me, have been good enough. I mean, Aubameyang this season, um, I never know what to say, Craig, to be honest. Because um, I can understand if you can know, we had the argument before, you know, the, the midfielder not creating chances for him and he's not, he's, you know, he's not getting into games, but he should have easily have had five hat tricks this season, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's getting the chances, but like you mentioned, the game against West Ham, mate. He, I, to me, he was anonymous the second half. And Olympiacos. I mean, yeah, he should have but, had a hat trick against Olympiacos. Yeah, and the only time I noticed him was when he when we got when we got the third goal, Lacazette, and he was still on, and he's trying yeah. to run. That's, <laughs> that's the main time I noticed Abamyang um, in that game. But there's been too many games, mate, where. To be honest, he shouldn't even be in the team. Now, people might go, yeah, but you know what? He's got credit in the bank. And I, I understand the argument and for the goal scorer that he is. But 
you know, what are you bringing to the team overall? And it's not really a lot at the moment for quite a while. Yeah. Dan, we'll keep with Aubameyang and we'll get your opinion on it. I mean, I, I'm i really worried about him um, because as someone said in the chat there, are, are we getting towards another, are we going towards another Ozil situation where he's got his big contract and, oh, great, I've got my big contract now and I can, you know, I can stay here now and earn my money. I, against Olympiacos, I thought he was awful. Against West Ham, I thought he was awful. I don't know if anyone saw or noticed Kieran Tierney absolutely blow him out of the water against Olympiacos when he Kieran Tierney gave him a ball down the left and he, he didn't even make no attempt to get on to the end to it. I was even shouting at the telly, um, calling him you know lazy and this, that and the other. But is there a, is there a thing to say that we can play better without him? He didn't play against Leicester. We won the game 3-1. He didn't play against Spurs. We won the game 2-1. Are the players... Are we getting into... Do you think there's any bit of fear from the other players um, when he's on the pitch? He does look like he's a bit of a diva because he's that good. His history of goal scoring is absolutely amazing. He's two full seasons at Arsenal. He's averaged 30 goals a season. Mm. This season, he's got 14. I think when you take out the fact that one of those was a hat-trick, means he's got 11 goals in 31 games or 30 games. It's, But it's because he is so good and you always have a diva. And Arteta has shown him that he's not going to put up with that. But then I, I look back to the summer before he signed the contract. Now, he didn't sign. It took ages to sign the contract because we know that his agent was sniffing around Europe trying to get him a big move to a bigger club. Real Madrid, Barcelona, they were both interested in, but they couldn't afford the transfer fee or his wages, and it turns out because they're skint. It's guaranteed that if a bigger club would have come in for him in the summer, he'd have gone. He wouldn't have stayed. Absolutely agreed. That's why it makes me sad when people say, oh, get rid of Lacazette. Lacazette gives 100% every single game. Lacazette at times was running. He was playing a sweeper. He was not a sweeper. He was playing in the the 10. He was playing. He's dropping all the way back into midfield, going getting the ball. Not quite like Alexis did where he'd go and get the ball off the goalkeeper and run the length of the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Lacazette loves the club. He gives everything he's got the entire time and he just doesn't have the skill and the ability that Aubameyang does. And Aubameyang has it and he's wasting it because he's got the hump. Because quite rightly, he's got the hump because the way Arteta treated him over that you're late and told everyone you're late and then Aubameyang isn't going to go, fair enough, Governor, I've done I've done wrong. You've, you've hanged me out to dry. I'm going to take it on the chin. Aubameyang's going... I'm the greatest player for my country. I'm one of the greatest players, strikers in in the 21st century. Look at my goals record. I'm an absolute phenomenon. Any club in the world would want me. If he was on a free transfer, every club in the world would want him to come and play for him because he's still got so many years left in him. And he's seen um, at Dortmund, things went wrong at Dortmund. And things are going wrong here. He's coming up to, this is his fourth or three and a half season, so his fourth season with us. And things aren't going to get any better. He, he, like Alan, I said last night that Alan Davies said on the pod that he made three sprints in the first half. What does that mean? He stood still for most of the first half, is what Alan Davies <laughs> shouted during the podcast. And he's lazy. And I think you've got a point that sometimes we do play better. I mean, at times we played better when Sanchez didn't play because it was give the ball to Sanchez. And then with the first half of this season, we were giving the ball to a bum young. In the air, he, he's not. He doesn't score headers. No. The one thing about Young is world class at giving the ball and run at the defenders because he scares the shit out of them. If, as a defender, what would you rather try and do? Defend Young from a cross, a high cross, or would you rather defend from Young running at you with a ball? 
It sure mm. as hell isn't running at you with the ball because he'll turn you inside out. And Absolutely. he's not getting it. And now we are... Uh, another thing that was made that we were talking about was that last season, our combined midfield scored a handful of goals last season. Our midfield now are creating goals, scoring goals. We are the most creative. At times, some of the goals we scored this season have been beautiful goals. Ones that you've actually stopped and gone... Wow, that is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And Obama Young should be in there. And looking at these stats last season and the goals that he scored in a team that weren't creating, he should have 30 goals already by this season. Mm. And I think uh, um, Arteta sees that and goes, something's not right. Yeah, absolutely. Albert, you wanted to mention something about um, Obama Young and the captain's armband, mate. Yeah, yeah. cheers, mate. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, the thing is, I think, uh, to be fair, whatever people think of Mikel Arteta quickly, um, for me, that that was a big call, you know, with the whole thing in North London derby and dropping him, which I 100% backed him. You know, people come out saying, oh, it could have gone pear-shaped, but he has to set a precedent because if he talks about non-negotiables, he cannot play him against Tottenham. And the thing is, the Batman was dropped for that game, right? Now, you would have thought the next game against Olympiacos, this guy's going to come out firing, he's going to own it. He put in a point. terrible performance. Mm-hmm. And as for the captaincy... I think Arsenal have had two... I think I would say the two opportunities you could have taken it off of him this season. I think when he was having the lean spell and, you know, things with, you know, the outside issues in terms of his mum, people think, oh, that could have destroyed his confidence. But I don't think Aubameyang wanted the captaincy in the first place. But I think that was the first opportunity that they could have said, you know what, Pierre, you know, to take a bit of pressure off of you, you know, we'll take the captaincy off you or, or, or relinquish it or whatever the, whatever the conversation is going to take place. Or the second time they could have done it, was obviously quite recent with the him turning up late for North London Derby. For me, those were the two perfect opportunities. If they was, if he was going to be removed of the captaincy or it to be passed on to somebody else, those were the two opportunities to do it. And again, to, just to finish up, Craig, I think the issue some Arsenal fans have is when he when we wasn't playing well, we went on that horrendous um, you know two and a half month period of not winning the game. He would come out to the media when he scored a goal against Southampton and a few other games. When we, but when we're losing or when we've lost and he hasn't scored, he's nowhere to be seen. And you, you can't, ha- you don't have to be the most vocal person, but you can't have your club captain picking and choosing when he comes out to the media during a rough spell. That doesn't set a good precedent at all. Mm. But it's, uh, I think people go a bit harsh on him there. I think Albert, I don't think it's up to him, is it? Is, is it not up to the broadcasting network who they ask to come out? I'm not too. I'm not too sure about it, but I just thought it was. It was interesting when he did finally come out after that Baron spell when we played Southampton. Well, yeah, good, yeah, when he had a good game. Yeah, 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 and, and yeah, he yeah, came yeah, out yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just think yeah, I think Arsenal, if they was going to take it off of him, those were the two opportunities they going to. They could have done it. Yeah, you make a good point there actually because you're dead right. He came, you know, he had a good game against Southampton, came out and lapped it up. Um, and, then, and then, and then, when he has a bad game, you know, he's nowhere to be seen. Chris, talk to me about your thoughts on Lacazette and Aubameyang. We'll have to wrap it up soon. Um, yeah, mate. Um, so, can I just do a quick uh, show my workings? Because it's got you me, can do got as me, you got, please, sir. Do as you please. Triggered. It's got me triggering. It's triggering some thoughts, actually. So, when you were talking about Edouard Albert, if we're looking at twenty, twenty-five, even thirty million quid, if we could get. 20, 25 million for Lacazette. And bearing in mind, he's bagged himself uh, 12 goals this season, Lacazette, and he's been in scoring form lately. So there's plenty of Arsenal fans that could do a decent YouTube compilation and send it over to those folks in Italy 
and uh, and and prove that he's a he's a great player. So you could almost then end up with a net effect there. Lacazette out and Edouard in. He's got yeah. a year left on his deal. He's the I think he's the second or third highest player at the club. You're not telling me that Edouard's going to want something like 180 grand a week. 100%. He's probably going to come back on half of that. So, you know, 90, 100 grand a week, and you've saved yourself 80 grand a week there. So there's some money to be saved. But I reckon, just conservatively, through Willock, 15 million quid, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, 20 million quid, Nketiah, 20 million quid, Elneny, 5 million quid, Torreira, 15 million quid, Genduzi, 10 million quid, Nelson, 10 million quid, Chambers, 15 million quid. That is 110 million pounds. If you add in Lacazette, that's 135 million pounds. I know I'm going amateur accountant yeah. here, but if you then look <laughs> at, if we've got to go, if we've got to get somebody like Matt Ryan in, Birmingham would probably say, all right, he's not get, he's not playing for us and he wants to sign for you and he's only got a year left on his deal, so a couple of million is fine. And then we were talking about a striker. Well, I've written down Erdegaard, 60 million quid, striker, 50 million quid, 10 million for a backup left back, 2 million for Ryan is 122 million quid. Well, if you're basically saying that Edward is 30 odd million quid, we could end up then taking a look at the Hector conversation and saying, do you then buy yourself a new right back and you could sell Hector for 20 million, maybe get a top top quality one for 30 million in these COVID times. There is a possibility that we can go full net spend FC and end up in the profit if my conservative estimates are there to be believed. Personally, going back to your original question, uh, Lacazette, I would move on because one year left on your deal, 29 years old, he's reached his peak. You know, he's most one of the most expensive paid players at the club and for the amount of goals that he gets and the impact that he's had this season overall, I just think it's a no-brainer to cash in on him. Get Basuma in as well. Get Basuma in. One, one more player. While we're, at it. <laughs> While we're at it, yeah. <laughs> one more player I want to talk about, um, who I would accept back um, and give another chance. Dan, I'm going to start with you on this one, mate. I would actually bring back Matteo Guendouzi, and I would bring him back, and I would certainly give him another chance. Um, at this football club to prove himself because what I've seen of him and in my opinion I think he's quite a good well, I said quite good I think he's a very good player um, I just think his attitude is there to see it absolutely stinks is that is that a thing of he came from a second division team in France um, and he was thrust into the limelight he was thrust into the Premier League, comes and plays for Arsenal. One of you know those those scenes when we beat Spurs that night, um, hanging out the car window with all, all the fans at the Eaglet Pub there on the corner of the road. Um, is is that because he was young and it was all happening so quick and this that and the other? Um, I just, I just think we'd be mad to let him go. Uh, I, I think, I think he's, I think he could still. I mean, there's a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people disagreeing with me already in the chat, but I think he could, I think he could come back, and I think he could be quite a good player for us, you know. <laughs> no, no. He, to sum him up, when you have a child and that child goes from being a lovely little child and they get to about fourteen, fifteen, and it's yeah. no. I'm not doing was no. My child, she was a or she's still a bit of a knob now. She just <laughs> I'll tell you after the show what she's done. But um, yeah, they, they turn into twats. He was a dickhead at, uh, at PSG. He was a dickhead at Khan. He was a dickhead here. He's been a dickhead 
Uh, um, uh, uh, Lorient, uh, isn't it? Oh, Lorient, yeah. Khan's yeah. my team. Lorient's Chris's team, yeah. Um, and now he's been a dickhead at Berlin. He's fallen out of the manager. He's, he's, he's had an argument with the captain. And you look at the other thing. 82 games for Arsenal. Scored one goal against FC Carrierbag. Doesn't score goals. Doesn't get assists. What does he do? He run like my mum would say, runs around like a blue-ass fly. He does absolutely nothing. In his entire time at Berlin, two goals, one assist. He's, this weekend, actually, he had his best game. He, he got he got a high rating in it, and he, he played all right. But no, I mean, he, they played him for most of the season, and they dropped him. And then he was coming on as a sub, not doing anything. He is a petulant child who has got so much skill, and he, he, he believes his own hype is the best way to put him. I don't want him anywhere near the club. He is nothing but trouble. And wherever he goes next, he'll do it the whole time. Albert. <laughs> I think I know where this is going. I think I should have just kept my mouth shut, to be honest. But uh, go on. You know what, Craig? I, I, I'm, I'm going to echo what Finn just said. But I, what I would say is... When we bought him, I'll be honest with you, until probably the Tottenham game last season, I I wasn't too sold on him. And he, he, he you know, and he he pulls out a performance out of nowhere. I'm thinking, well, I've never seen him play like this before at all. Um, but the attitude thing for me is a huge, huge thing. I, I said it, Adjun Rabio part two. Exactly, <laughs> Budget Rabio. Yeah, exactly <laughs> the same thing, mate. I just, you know... The attitude problem is that this has been the case at every club this guy's been at. That's not a quint. That, that's not down to the managers. It's it, it's it's him. And like things said, if he goes to another club, it's going to be the same thing. I don't really buy too much into the fact that he's he's young. There's players that are younger than him out there that don't behave like that. So what what so what is it with him? Why why is he? And I to, to finish up on it. I remember when obviously we wasn't playing well this season, um, like really not playing well for that, like that that period where we wasn't winning any football matches. And someone put together a highlights reel on YouTube, right? It's probably one of the worst hi- hi- highlight YouTubers I've ever seen in a footballer. Because <laughs> they, they basically were trying to paint the picture that Arsenal are, oh, you know, Gwendouzi's not Arsenal. And, you know, when, I thought, well, if this is the best you've got to show for me what he's doing in Germany, then he can might as well just stay there. Like, Listen, he may go on, Craig, to be a well beat in the next three or four years. Who, who knows of him? But I don't want him back at Arsenal, if I'm being honest with you. And I think there's a reason why Mikel Arteta doesn't want him back. Fair enough. Chris, uh, what, I mean, this this one, look at this one from Pat. Yeah. Gwen Doozy is another Anelka, but not as good. <laughs> um, so it's a full house, I'm afraid, Craig. You've got all three of us uh, <laughs> against you on that one. Um, do you know what the problem with Gwen Doozy is from my perspective? Is that I feel like the Premier League is a transitional league. It's all about transitions. It's about turnovers in play and then countering on your opposition. And that's why we love it because it's like a fast pace. It's the ball breaks down. It's rapid counter. And then well, you get some teams that essentially cough, cough, Burnley, that it's like, let's just sit low block and then see if we can get corners and stuff. But with so many teams, there's a lot of the teams that are successful, it's transition. And what Matteo Ganduzzi is not good at is the transition game yeah, backwards towards his own goal. 100%. He is terrible. And when he was under Unai Emery, and this is why I'm a bit with you, Albert, like I wasn't sold on him because no. a few times when, when we conceded goals under Emery, I ended up watching and seeing Matteo Ganduzzi just jogging back and going back to our Xhaka conversation. So you had Xhaka and Ganduzzi a few times in the same midfield. Well, we know what Xhaka is. He knows he's slow. He knows that he's got a turning circle of a 1998 Ford Mondeo estate. But what 
what Xhaka does have, though, is he's got the distribution and the range. And we know exactly what he is. Genduzi's trying to masquerade as this box-to-box midfielder. And he's mm-hmm. got the energy to get forward. But as soon as it's going back towards his own goal, all of a sudden, the energy disappears. So for me, never properly been sold in Genduzi. We got him for 7 million quid. I'd mentioned 10 million quid. To be honest, we make a bit of money on him. And it helps to rebuild and re- refund part of the delight that could be Martin Erdegaard at Arsenal on a permanent basis. Oh, race. yeah. yeah. I mean, say, yeah please. What a way to finish. I mean, everything's got to be put towards signing Martin Odegaard for me. For what he, for the way he's come into this team and just shown, shown us all what we've been missing for so long. Um, I love him. I love him. And I love the way he talks about the club already. He loves he's it here. He wants Oh, do you know, and like Graham, Graham put a tweet out uh, after the West Ham game saying that you know Martin, o- Martin Odegaard um, is everything that we everything that we wanted Mercer Ozil to be, and he, mm. he he got you know he got pelters for that. But I yeah, understand what yeah. I understand what he was saying. He is everything I wanted Mercer Ozil to be completely, and he is he is everything that Mercer Mercer Ozil isn't. I'm afraid, and I, I know that it's going to you know that upset the Ozil teams, but like. That's what I wanted Mercer Ozil to be doing um, at this football club. But he should but have been doing. We yeah. should have been doing it, yeah. Can I, can I just jump in yeah, on the revision here? Because Mesut Ozil, for the first few seasons, was doing exactly that. He was the vision. He was the getting pockets of space and, and the passing. And unfortunately, it was the Mesut Ozil era in which he had to deal with Olivier Giroud. And then he got Alexis <laughs> Sanchez, and they were, they were absolutely brilliant. Together. That's a good point, yeah. Um, I agree with you, though. The Mesut Ozil of the last two, three years, whatever it is, since we saw the decline, absolutely. That's what he should have been in the latter stages post-big contract. That's what Mesut Ozil should have been. If we're caveating it from that, kind of like pre- and post-contract, then I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could carry this on for another hour. So much, you know, so much more to talk about, and, and so many subjects to talk about. But um, unfortunately, we've run out of time. So thank you for all. For, thank you to you all for staying. Um, it's been another good episode of Four Men and a Mic. Absolutely, um, really enjoying this little series. Um, it's a bit more relaxed. Yeah. Uh, to the Monday night one, and I haven't got judges and uh, damn pots to to worry about what they're <laughs> yeah. taking the Mickey out of me on WhatsApp about me hair and what he's posting about me doing silly dances and all this business, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's nice and relaxing. He calls me all kinds of things, judges, but he gets away with it because I love him, you see? So, unfortunately, that's what, that's, that's, that's what happens, isn't it? Um, Chris, thank you very much for joining me once again. I really, really appreciate it, mate. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, at Suburban Guna, and it's suburbanguna.com is where I write random crap that is barely legible every day. Well, I read it every day, and it's far from crap. It's absolutely oh, brilliant. So um, everybody, go, everybody go and follow Chris and also read the blogs. Albert, where can people find you, sir? Cheers, mate. Yes, Albert JTV on Twitter, at AUMO57. Very easy to find. Come and check out the channel. Another good Arsenal channel. Get over there and subscribe. And Danny, my, again, I'm going to say it again. My favourite person on Twitter. Where can people find you? Uh, don't want to find just a bird camp wonderland on Twitter. I press the uh, I press record. 
he presses record and says a few things as well. Um, get over and um, subscribe to go over, follow at Burkamp Wonderland and subscribe to them also. The first Arsenal podcast I ever listened to. There you go. Bit of random Thank you very much. Thank you very much, everyone in the chat. Thanks for staying with us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, if you like what you've seen tonight, when it comes out on Twitter, retweet it, like it, all that good stuff. Dan is back tomorrow um, with the team talk. Tomorrow he will be interviewing Kevin Campbell and they are going to be doing Kevin's 1-11 to with the best players that he's ever played with. So that one should be uh, very, very good indeed. Um, Very interesting to watch. So make sure you head over and catch that one. Until I see you again, probably Monday, Monday afternoon or evening or morning, wherever it is, wherever you may be. Take care of yourselves and each other and up the Arsenal. Up the Arsenal. Sports Social Podcast Network.